0: Fika with Annika. The word fika is used as both a noun and a verb and is derived from the Swedish word for coffee. The Swedish coffee break is a moment to literally leave work behind. Taken at three in the afternoon, it's not a strategy for multitasking or for fitting in another mini-meeting. It's a chance to relax in the company of colleagues or friends. The key is to pause your day. So, brew up some coffee, grab a seat, and embrace Fika. So, welcome listeners. Here we are. It's Wednesday 3 p.m. I'm here in the KOIT studio with uh, a new friend. His name is Kaz Murphy. Uh, I met uh, Kaz at the Sugarloaf Cafe a couple weeks ago. He was um, the featured artist, uh, Kaz is a musician and a songwriter, and um, I thought I'd take the opportunity to, to bring him in. He uh, resides in Desert Hot Springs area and uh, doesn't really know much about the Anza area, so was, I think he had a nice ride this morning coming, coming up 371 and, and the 74 and got to enjoy our beautiful nature here. So uh, with that said, so Welcome.
1: Thank like you very much. nice to
0: have you here in the studio.
1: Happy to be here.
0: So, I know absolutely nothing about you other than that I really enjoyed your set when I was having lunch that day. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're kind of like a Johnny Cash country. Um, uh, I don't know. How do you describe yourself?
1: Well, I mean, it's singer-songwriter music. Uh, I've been categorized in the Americana category, which is a mixture of uh, folk and country um, and i'm i'm more to the singer songwriter side of that um and have been for a good part of my life uh i've i've uh gone into other areas of music a few times um, but yeah that's that's uh kind of what i do i really the, the lyrics are really important to me the storytelling and i try to just uh you know make the strongest melodies i can
0: right so most of the set that I heard was your original songs correct and uh, they were very enjoyable of course now it's been like a month and a half and I can't recall much of it but uh, so hopefully you'll 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 sing sing a bar or two (laughs) whatever for me or maybe we'll hum along but um, so so what started you with music
1: I started music really young my mother was an opera singer my dad was a trumpet player and they really encouraged me early to do music I don't know why I was a real ham when I was a kid I would imitate people and sing songs and I was always trying to get everybody to look at me so I guess they were like let him go and so uh when I was 10 my parents bought uh my myself and my oldest brother a set of drums to share and uh I was 10 he was 14 uh we started fighting over who could play you know get the drums or whatever cuz he had a band going already so uh, they ended up buying me a little cheap used set of drums that I had in my room, and my, my parents were really tolerant. They would just let me go up in our room with no soundproof and just beat those drums any time I wanted to. Um, and when I was about 12 or 13, I started getting into folk music and people like Doc Watson and Mississippi John Hurt, Pete Seeger, uh, Phil Oakes, a lot of people like that, and of course like Dylan and all the, the bigger people too. Um, so I t- traded in my drums, and I got a guitar and a banjo in the same day. And I started playing those at the same time. Um, and shortly after that, I started writing songs. So by the time, and, and all through high school, I played at, uh, they used to they used to call them coffee houses in, in high schools. I would play like at Knights of Columbus's and um, coffee houses. Some real coffee houses and the high school coffee houses, were, which were like in the high school gyms. It was just a thing of the... This is... Uh, when is this? This is probably uh, early 70s or late late 60s, early 70s. Um, so I was performing my own songs all the time. And I was starting to see like, oh, people like that. And oh, this, this one's no good or whatever. So I started to try to figure it out then. Um, and... Then I I ended up uh, this was in South Jersey that's where I'm from and I I ended up meeting and like befriending befri- Dave Van Ronk I don't know if you know he is a folk singer from the East Coast he's he was pretty big, um, and uh, then I moved out of New Jersey with my girlfriend and my best friend we went to Canada and we bought an old log cabin schoolhouse from these farmers we were just gonna we were just going up to see what was going on. We bought this four acres in a log cabin school no electricity, no heat. So my girlfriend and I lived through two winters with no electricity and heat. We had to go down to the river, cut holes in the ice about 15 or 20 inches deep, haul our water out in buckets, put it in, in plastic cans, and uh, bring it back to the house. And well, I, I had a chain t-
0: True love oh. to go through that kind of stuff.
1: Well, it was, I mean, it was really <laughs> camping, you know, you used to think go camping, but this was yes. like serious we would have about 15 blankets on our bed and uh and you know i had a chainsaw in my truck and every i was i would be like oh there's some wood and we'd stop and get get as much wood as you can i think we'd burn about 15 cords a year or something like that a lot of wood yes third winter coming up we were like we got to get out of here this is crazy and so you know you couldn't google things and we didn't really know what, so we were like let's go to santa fe new mexico because supposed to be a pretty, pretty good town, and it's down south. And I, I was picturing the old trains going through Santa Fe, cowboys on the side sweating and that kind of thing. We got to Santa Fe, there's like two, three feet of snow on the ground, because Santa Fe is like a mile high. And we're like, can we ever get rid of this snow? Do we ever we're, get out of here?
0: You traded snow for snow.
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh. And then I ended up uh, staying in Santa Fe for seven years. Uh, continued writing songs. I, I, at that time, too, I was kind of a journalist and a short story writer. I was getting some things published. I was opening for some people like Eliza Gilkison, um, uh, Peter Rowan, and some people like that who were uh, fairly renowned folkies. Um, and I did, a, I did a whole lot of playing and writing at that time. I, I made a single, uh, actually, in Austin, Texas, and then from, from uh, Santa Fe, I went to Seattle, Washington, and I was there for about 20 years. I wrote a couple of musicals. I wrote a, no, I wrote, I wrote a couple novels, and one of them it was sort of science fiction. He's sort of like a Kurt Vonnegut type of uh, satirical, dark science fiction. Um, and some put, people started saying, why don't you do a musical of your, of your science fiction book? And I was crazy enough to do it. So I wrote a musical. I wrote two musicals, actually. The Great Galactic Fame Game was the first one, which was pretty far out. And the second one was called Chester's Club. Um, and, and this is how I got the name Kaz, also. Uh, my, my, my real name's Kevin.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, but I had a character named Inspector Casbo. And so I ended up. I didn't know that I was going to play it because we we got them produced at uh, New City Theater and the 66 Bell Arts Theater, and uh, I didn't know I was going to play. And it turned out I was the leader in it. So people started calling me Inspector, then Casbo, then after a while it was Hey, Cas, get over here and you know pick this up, do whatever. So I became Cas. Um, but Chester's Club, real quick, what it was about. Um, we were, the, it's, a, it's an, a galactic rock band, sort of like the monkeys meet Star Trek or something, but, but dar- <laughs> darker than that. And so it starts out with the band in a spaceship or whatever going, you know, Inspector, we're going to the, 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 crash. We're going to crash. We're going to land on a planet. It's, it's called Earth. We're going to land on this planet. And in the meantime, on the other part of the stage, Chester in Chester's club <coughs> Excuse me. is going... This band from Indiana was supposed to be here two hours ago. They got to get set up and they got to play tonight. Where are they? Where are they? Then the uh, the Galactic Band crashes coincidentally right on Chester's stage, and so Chester (laughs) walks in and goes, "There you are! I've been waiting for you to get here." And then the play goes on from there. It it was pretty funny, you know. It went on for I I got a six week run out of it.
0: Oh my, that's. pretty fantastic for the first time around yeah well
1: that was the second one the first oh, okay. actually I got six weeks on both the, the but the first one it was just it, it was a it was like you could travel through your computer screens and there was an intergalactic game show and when you won that that game show instead of like going up uh, with let's make a deal and picking a prize you went through your computer screen up to another planet and 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 the whole planet could see it it's almost where we are now
0: well, you I know. love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, my wife keeps saying you should rewrite those and get them out. I'm like, well, you know, can't do everything,
0: right? <laughs> I know. But you know, there's talk here on the uh, the uh, the local um, uh, social media channels here. There's chatter about people want to come together and do some theater. Oh yeah. So maybe we should hook you up with that because that <laughs> maybe <me. laughs> yeah sounds I mean, like a real root and and good time. It's it's, it's pretty
1: <laughs> funny stuff. Funny stuff.
0: Now, if uh, you mentioned uh, that you've authored some books and short novels, too. So, will we be able to find you on Amazon? Or are you out of print? Well, the
1: only book that you find of mine on Amazon, I co-wrote for a company, and I wrote it in Vienna, with a company called No Frontier. Uh, and they are an art installation media... Uh, C D Rom Company. They're an they're artist very artistic company. They saw me playing in Belgium and I was living in Rome at the time and I went back and they sent me an email and said, Can you come out to No Frontier? We'll we'll cover everything. And I said, what do you want me to come out to play some songs? They had seen me play at this place. And uh they said, no, we want you to write our book for us. And I said, really? And they said, yeah, come out, we'll pay you. You'll be here for three weeks. So I went out with them, and um, the night I got there, they had a big party, the Kaz Murphy round table, and they had all these, the people who work for the company and places they wanted me to go and to write and what to think about and do. So anyway, I wrote this book. It's called In the Place of Coincidence, um, and you can find it on Amazon, and you can still find it. It was uh, uh, published by Ginkgo Press in San Francisco. You can still find it. I think in some like architecture bookstores and things like that. For okay. some reason, it goes into. So this guess, is not
0: easy reading, or just. Well, n- it's it's more about
1: the company. Yeah. I'm sort of the storyteller for the book. I'm sort of the the funny guy going through the book as myself, um, observing what these people in Vienna are doing. So I'm so so they're sort of writing more technical writing, and I'm writing my reflection and thoughts about it. It's all interwoven. It's like a coffee table
0: book. Well, I'm just liking you more and more as we're sitting here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It it kind of just fell into my hands. You're a
0: world traveler. Now, you were living in Rome. Yeah. How did you end up there?
1: Well, I was actually a drummer in a band called the Station Masters in Seattle, and they wanted to move to Rome. And I said to my wife, man, maybe we should just move to Rome. And so we did. And we went and I played with them for a while. We lived, uh, we lived there for about a year. Um, and I played with the station master a little bit. And then I met some people who said, we know this guy. I was playing some solo stuff. And they said, we know this guy who's going to love your music. going to love your music. His name was Professore Italo. And he had he worked a little bit with Fellini. And uh, he was a really, really interesting guy. And he... I went, they they set me up to play with him. There was a big, like, audition. And he started crying. He goes, I can't understand everything you say, but you, you know, you have the heart, you have blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he he booked me a lot of uh, festivals all around Italy. And I, we stayed at his house a handful of times. He was really interesting. And I never was sure, and I think he's he's gone now. I think I can say that I, I was never sure if he was mafia or not, because... When we stayed at his house, like neighborhood people would come over with their kids and they would give him a present like sausage or eggs or whatever. And then they would say, here's my daughter. She would tap dance or sing a song and pray. Okay. Maybe she's okay. I'll see what I can do. Um, But then one day uh, he and I were alone and he also, uh, Professor Italo didn't have any legs. His legs were gone. He was in a wheelchair and he was a really energetic, really smart, amazing guy. He goes, now, I've seen everything you do. Let me show you what I do. And so we go over into the living room. He opens up a big cabinet with a huge TV in there. And he turns on the show, and it's the Professore Italo business advisor show in Italy. He was sort of like people call in and come to him on the show and ask, what do they do with their... Should they get in real estate or whatever? He was the advisor of Italy and had his own show. And he just sat there as proud as could be. That's me. That's what I do. That's what I do. And I was always like, wow. And then shortly after that, we left. And I called him up about six months later. We were back in America. And she said, oh, the professor's gone. So, yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Oh, (laughs) fantastic. Oh, it was amazing.
1: He was really something. Yeah, and one time, real quick, and then we can move on. But one time I was doing a festival, and he said, at this festival, we're going to have all your lyrics typed out in Italian. And we're going to have it at every seat and every table at that festival. everyone. So we get to the festival and uh, my wife and I are walking around. We had our stuff up on stage getting ready. And he comes in, somebody driving him in a, like a really nice Mercedes. And he comes up and he goes, are the lyrics on? The... And this is all, all in Italian. I, I speak okay. I speak like a four-year-old Italian kid, kind <laughs> of. Okay. But uh, he said, are the lyrics on the table? And I said, you know, I don't think they are. And he went ballistic. And within about 15 or 20 minutes, guys were running around with stacks of lyrics, putting them on all the tables and handing them out to everybody. And that's when I started thinking, hmm, is he like mafia? I never knew if he was mafia or I couldn't tell. He acted like it. He acted like a godfather.
0: Well, I never had to but kiss he, the ring, though.
1: No, no. <laughs> but he was, I mean, he was really, con- he was really kind to us.
0: Right. Thank but, God. He's well, just a confident guy. You know, sometimes confidence do that. He's you know, some people are leaders and followers, you know, and yeah, so Yeah. So and yeah. if he was like a an agent or a talent scout also. I think for he the for of, the local kids coming and tag dancing. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. So he that was his probably his power trip. Oh yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah. And then from Rome you then went to Vienna.
1: I uh, went to v- Vienna. That was just like a three-week trip out of, oh, okay. of Rome. Went back to Rome. Uh, we were actually in a little town called Roca Priora, which there's four, uh, 13 or 14 hill towns outside of Rome. And we were in the highest one, Roca Priora, it, it was called, near Frascati, which uh, has only white wine. And Frascati every Saturday the streets all open up and people from all over Rome and that part of Italy come there and there's street performers and it's, it's a really great area. I mean, amazing. But after that, we went back to Seattle. I, and in the meantime, I'd made a couple of Americana. I'm using quotes with my fingers because mm-hmm. that quotes. term is now, you know, uh, it means a lot of different things. But um, I'd already made a couple of albums and my first album, One Happy Camper, actually did really well Um, So I came back, recorded some in Seattle, and uh, shortly after that, we moved to L.A., my wife and I, to Echo Park in L.A. And I finished the album, put it out, and then I started performing a lot in L.A., um, doing the kind of music I do now. And I also, I had a band in Seattle before going to Italy for a few years called Mad Mad Nomad. And um, we were sort of a new wave folk band. My wife uh, played keyboards and violin and our lead guitarist played electric guitar and mandolin. He'd have the mandolin on his back. And so we would be a little more electric, kind of a new wavy, like almost like the talking heads, maybe a little bit or something like that. And then we would break it down and we'd have mandolin and violin and still in the same song. So we sort of mixed it up that way. So it was a pretty cool band. And we were on Green Monkey Records up there.
0: So So how much do you think your parents influenced you in terms of the music? Between an opera singer and trumpet player, and you're doing Americana.
1: Well, they they really pushed me from the word go. They were like, you're just a natural, especially in high school when I was writing all the songs, because a handful of those songs were actually pretty good. And they were like, you know, you're just made for this, so you just need to do that. So my whole life, they were just... You know, when I would say I'm I'm doing this now and touring here or doing whatever, they were just like great. They just always uh, enforced it and thought All it was right. great. Yeah.
0: Um, so, have you ever been like to Austin or Memphis or gone that route?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've actually toured around Texas a handful of times, but at least, but a dozen times maybe. And and I've played a lot in Austin. I have a lot of friends and musical colleagues there. Um, I recorded my last album, which you heard a fair amount of at the Sugarloaf, called Ride Out the Storm. Recorded that in Austin, uh, right outside of Austin, in Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, in a recording studio called The Zone. And uh, the producer, uh, his name's Scrappy Judd Newcomb. And uh, I actually found him before I made the record, because I'd been on hiatus for about five or six years, the recession and some things uh changed my life a little bit, so I had to do, it, do what I had to do. Um, so when I was ready to make the record, I started looking around on the charts, and I saw Scrappy Judd Newcomb was producing some people that I liked. So I contacted him, and it turns out one of my best friends and a person who's been playing guitar with me for 30 years, Johnny Noder Thomas, I said, man, I, th- I think I've heard Johnny talk about a Scrappy here and there. And so I called Johnny. I said, you know Scrappy Judd Newcomb? He goes, yeah, I had lunch with him yesterday. I said, I said, OK, well, I want to send him my you know, stuff, see if he wants to, to produce the record. And uh, so I, he goes, well, you know, Scrappy only works with stuff he likes, but let's give it to him. And Scrappy got right back to me and said, hey, man, I like this stuff. Let's work, blah, blah, blah. So I went down and recorded the album there. Um, we spent four days recording and three days mixing it, and it was over. Um, and the, the studio was great. They were great. Put the record out last September 20th and it came out at number three on the National Roots Music Chart. And in December went to number one and it stayed at number two till last May. And so well, congrats. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I was as surprised as anybody because I had no I, I thought, yeah, it sounds pretty good. It's pretty good, you know. And I had no idea how people were going to take it because it's not really just typical country-ish folk music it's a little little more electric which I'm working on a new record right now which won't be near as electric um, but it went over pretty well and it got a ton of radio airplay and I've had thousands of downloads um, from Spotify and iTunes and that kind of thing okay um, so I was happy about that yeah, and um, well. you know I tried to work it for a while I did a little bit of touring the last year and um, try to keep it rolling but you know, it's, uh, it's work no matter what you do. Even if you go to number one, you still have to work really hard to try to get good shows and stuff. Oh, so,
0: oh of course. You
1: know, so I'm working at it.
0: So um, are, are you uh, a, a prolific songwriter? Or, did, or is, do you have to work hard at it, or does just come, no,
1: come I'm, comes to you? It pretty much comes to me, you know. I mean, sometimes I'll come up with an idea... That I and I sort of I enjoy this. I'll have I'll have a title and I'll go. Man, what can I make to that? And I'll, I'll spend two, three, four months with it just on a on a side burner, and, I'll, and then and all of a sudden, usually like in the middle of the night or something, I will go. Oh, there it is. And then I'll I'll then I'll write it the next day or ninety percent of it. But yeah, pretty much uh, uh, the ideas just they don't seem to stop. If they stopped, I would probably stop. I I'd still maybe perform a little bit but it doesn't stop and i just keep uh i just keep writing i mean it's you know i mean there'll be times i don't write for a couple months and then i'll knock out five or six tunes and sometimes i'll knock out 10 in a month it just depends but out of all those i only want to use or release so many of those you know i, I mean i probably for my new record i probably have about 20 possible songs at this time and i'm working on about five or six new ones you know, I'm older. I, I still like the idea of a concept album that you get the album and it, the, you know, the songs tie into each other a little bit and all that. So I'm working on, on you know, tying a few strings in there, with the record.
0: Now, in addition to the lyrics, do you also write the the, the music?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I write both. Okay. And I've I've co-written with some people. I get things uh, placed on TV and a couple of independent films. Uh, so far I've only had music. Uh, license to TV and that kind of thing. And I'm working on getting uh, songs with lyrics because that's where you make the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you get music on TV, you don't get very much money. Right. But if it's lyrics and you're like on a, a new sitcom or something like that, you, you know, you can do okay. Pika
0: with Annika.
1: You're listening to KOYT LP one ANZA.
0: High Country 4 H is looking for new members ages 5 to 19. 4 H is a youth driven nonprofit organization. We have many classes called projects, including radio, sewing, horse, rabbit, STEM, and more. 4 H is always looking for more projects and project ideas.
1: High Country 4 H meets every month on the third Wednesday. The meetings are held at the Anza Community Hall at 6.30 p.m.
0: Hi, Country 4-H would love to see you there. For more information, please contact Allison Rink at 951-663-5452 or email to email address ali9591 at aol.com. Power in numbers is more than just a catchphrase. It's a way of building community. At your Touchstone Energy Cooperatives,
1: we are your energy community, and the power we provide is much more than a way to keep the lights on. It's how you plug into the friends and neighbors that make up your local co-op, working together to create a different kind of power network, one that puts members first. Sure, you can go it alone, but there's power in numbers. Touchstone Energy Cooperatives, your source of power and information. Visit touchstoneenergy.com today.
0: This is K O Y T L P Anza, your public radio station. Welcome back to Fika with Anika. Are you still touring uh, the country, or going overseas at all, or are you just uh, uh, laid back now and just enjoying, you know, the re- reaping what you've harvested? yeah yeah or sewn or whatever the saying is
1: yeah well you know I'll, I'll do some more touring i just finished uh touring up and down the coast i did some festivals in arizona and that kind of thing i'm not really touring the whole country i would like to set something up the from texas to nashville because i've done that a handful of times um but i'm just sort of regrouping getting ready to record playing some locally i play in la um and, yeah, we'll just see. Uh, I mean, at this point, I'm pretty much booking my own tours and, and like that. I ha- there are, were times I've had managers and been on small labels, and that helps.
0: You, you must have looked in, into my, my head because I was just wondering if you uh, manage yourself or if you had a, a handler, if you had a manager.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, at this time, I'm pretty much doing it myself. Um, and I'm, I'm, uh, sh- I'm looking for some new publishers for my record. Can you hear me out there, folks? <laughs> Not... <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, I'm, I give my stuff to music supervisors and people involved with TV and film to try to get stuff. You know, there's places you can go and find out what they're looking for, and I'll go, oh, this song is kind of like that or whatever, and I'll, you know, play stuff. Um, but so, yeah, I'm just doing that and, and working it the best I can, and I, I figure at this point the best thing i can do is try to make the best record with the best songs i can possibly make and that's the only thing that's really going to give me a chance to to maybe get a manager or get you know get get something on that level going i don't really expect it i hope for the best i say a prayer before bed But uh,
0: you're so laid back, and and even though you said, you know, you're gregarious and you don't want to be seen and things like that, um, I don't see you as being, uh, you know, trying to, you know, find your career now and, and, you know, really hit the the big, I think you just, you know, doing what you're doing, you seem so content with yourself right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I'm, I, if, if I could get a, a country star to, to record one of my songs or something like that, that would be really cool. Well, um, go
0: on The Voice or Songwriters, whatever these programs are on TV now. Yeah? Yeah, well, the yeah. songwriters go on the, they have right. to, help, do it. I, well, do it. Well,
1: I could, I could. I, here, I'll be your manager. It. I'll there it. we go. Now we're getting somewhere. That's why I'm here today, folks. All right.
0: right. <laughs> get the word out because I mean I, the little bit that I heard from you I really enjoyed it and that's why I, I was stoked to that. get you in here um, uh, I guess I recognize talent when I see it there you go um Gordon? okay, okay. alright so we're back on.
1: alright um yeah and so I'm ba- basically uh staying local for the time being working on the new record and uh We'll see how that goes. I haven't decided who I want to record it with yet. There's some good uh, studios in Joshua Tree. Uh, I know some of those people, so I might do it there. I don't know if I'll go to Texas again. I was glad I went for the last one. Um, but yeah, that's about it. You can find me in uh, local places in Palm Springs and around uh, Joshua Tree, L.A. I'll be going to Ventura probably in November, Ventura and Santa Barbara. So... And San okay. Diego, so so I'm, I'm local. I'm All Southern right. California okay, right good. now.
0: And are you planning on coming back to the sh- Sugarloaf or Idlewild, to, uh, any of the eateries there?
1: I would like to go to Idlewild. I actually just wrote a couple. I wrote the brew pub there and maybe some other place in Idlewild. Uh, I'll probably go back to the Sugarloaf as well, uh, maybe not till next year. I played there again about a month ago. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, sorry I missed it, but oh, I want right. to come to see you. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, if you had to be anywhere in the world, where would you like to be? You're you're somewhat of a world traveler. You've been yeah. somewhere, you know, Vienna and Rome. And is there any place that you've like liked to go and that hasn't heard your music and that needs to hear you, or a musical, or read a book of yours, or uh, you know, uh, it's a big world out there.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, you know, I've never been to South America, and I would like to go to Brazil or some places like that. Um, and I, and and maybe this is from living in the desert. I lived in Encinitas for, for about uh, six or seven years, four blocks from the beach, and I've been in the desert the last uh, almost two and a half years. Um, but I wouldn't mind, like, having a place that was right on the water where you open up your door and you're on the beach and the ocean's right there. Oh yeah, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I love that. I you know, and yeah, you, you know, I've only had that on vacation. You know, it'd be great to, to to have a place something like
0: that. Right. Well, the California coast is pretty. It's uh, not that far away, too. No, you, no, no. At least you can go visit. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, I do. We do all the time, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, I don't have any real particular place. Um, like I guess I would love to tour through the South, um, and that would be. A big part of that would be for myself. i got some radio air. A lot of radio air play in, in Florida, like northern Florida. I have no idea why. Uh, and some of the southern states. But um, I would just love to go through the south on like a three-week tour. It wouldn't even have to be music all the time. You know, having eight shows over three weeks or a month and just go through the south and see it. Because I've been there a couple times. It's been about 20 years but i'm just fascinated with the place. I would just love to get down and go deep into the heart of Mississippi and um, Louisiana and stuff like that. Yeah. Know? So, I'm I'm working on that.
0: Uh we're lucky here in this community that we have Barry Shankman who uh used to own Stax Records. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um i get to air on on uh, my FICA episodes some of his interviews of some of the greats of the music of the Memphis scene. Oh, that's scene. cool. And love that so, stuff. yeah. So there's, you know, we've, we've got people up here too that are. That's pretty neat. <laughs> so pretty, cool, very cool people. Yeah, I've interviewed Barry a couple of times. So if you want to go listen to the podcast, uh, from, I will, I'll check yeah, that out. I'll from the website. Out. Yeah. How long listened.
1: has he been up here?
0: Uh, he's been here uh, many years. Oh, you know? okay. And he was in LA in the film industry for a while. Okay. And um, yeah, he's just wow. a, a really cool guy. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, go to the podcast link on the web on the K O Y T website. Okay. I'll, I'll mention it at the end again. Um, yeah, for a little town, it uh, seems we we seem to attract some interesting people.
1: That's great. Yeah, I saw the population seven thousand something.
0: Uh yeah. Nice. It depends on the, the, the census taker, I guess. Some people say ten thousand, some say five. So okay, it's it's whatever. They just you know, We're, we're up. just all spread out, and some people don't answer the door when the census taker comes in. So. <laughs> right, right. So, so we're not really sure about that. So yeah, <laughs> uh, That's funny. Uh, so I'm a little intrigued about your your time in in Rome. Yep. Um, I, I'm a bit of a foodie. Really yep. enjoy enjoy eating and cooking. Uh, are you a foodie? Do you are you a cook?
1: I'm a bit of a cook, um, but I am a foodie.
0: So tell me then, it being in Rome, in Italy, what was your favorite meal? What's the one outstanding meal that you had? Man,
1: that's a great question. Um, I mean, there's so many different kinds of. Uh, well, probably my favorite is aglio olio spaghetti. Oh. Yeah, garlic and oil and they put some red peppers in it but when you have that just right when the, the spaghetti is al dente and they have that just right oh that's so good oh, i mean man. there's nothing nothing else on it you know you don't put cheese or anything just the oil garlic some red peppers so it's a little spicy it's i want all some right about now the,
0: the flour in the pasta oh. some, however that's put together oh yeah that yeah. we can't really replicate here. That you have to get um, imported. For sure, pasta, for sure, for sure,
1: Yeah, the little town that we lived in. I mean, it, it was it, there was the butcher, the baker, the spaghetti place. Uh, the, you know, the, there was nothing where it, there was no store that like sold more than a few different things, and and the families had been doing it for hundreds of years. So that was that was top quality,
0: right? It, and it, probably you know the family owned the uh, the olive. Grove that, that exactly. made the olive oil. Exactly. And exactly, yep. Yep. right. How wonderful.
1: Wow. Well, and before we went, you know, we, we eat as organic as we possibly can here. And we were like, man, I wonder if they have, if they're organic in Italy. Well, it turns out they never used chemicals like we had. They wouldn't know. Yeah, it was, it's all organic.
0: You know? <laughs> like, of course.
1: <laughs> I think France is pretty much, I, I think a lot of Europe's the same way. I don't know of all of it, but I think a lot of it's the same way. So we were happy about that. But no, I mean, a lot of great restaurants. We we went to northern... My my grandfather was from northern Italy. I'm trying to remember the name of the town. It's a really famous town. Like, where are uh, It's up by Torino. Well, if it comes to me. But, but anyway, my, my grandfather... On the Italian side was from up northern Italy. My grandmother, his wife, was from southern Italy. And so I'm about half Italian and about half Irish. My dad's Irish. But uh, okay. But my mother had red hair and green eyes, and she's 100% Italian. So I don't know if the uh. Scotch were coming down <laughs> south or what was going on there, but... You know, it's kind of interesting.
0: In, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, son uh, traveled through Italy, and he said the best food he had was in Sicily. So not so much in Rome. He said it was okay, but the Sicilian really knew how, how to cook.
1: Well, I, I, I can agree with that. We were only in Sicily about ten days, but yeah, can't complain about it. It was uh, food was amazing. It's an amazing area too. That's really old Italy down there.
0: Uh, it is. So let me take you back to to the beginning of the interview and yeah. your galactic influences. <laughs> I, you know, your your two musicals. Obviously, were you influenced by Star Trek or Spielberg or was it just you coming up with this? You know? Well,
1: it was more novelists, and and I've I've always been that way. Like I've never, even though I went to the music side of things. I've always been like a groupie for novelists. I've never been a groupie for like Mick Jagger or or I mean I mean I mean I don't get me wrong. I respect other songwriters and I admire them and all that, but people that really I just go wow, how do they do that? You know, it just blows me away. An amazing author, a novelist. So I read a lot of. I mean, I really loved Kurt Vonnegut a lot, and uh, 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 Ray Bradbury. And and authors like that that weren't like the real technical. I didn't really like the t- real technical science fiction where it's all numbers and robots or anything uh, like that. Like both of those authors, it was kind of real life, but they they made these far out things happen. And so I so I was really inspired by those guys. And since I had a, I was writing songs left and right. I thought, ah, oh, and I and I had this novel I was working on. I it was like. Uh, try to put them both together. And actually, friends talked me into it. I'd thought of it, but they were like, man, you should do that because it'll be so cool. We can, uh, whatever. And so I was like, all right, you know, I'll do it. And I, you know, I wrote it and rewrote it a few times. It was a fair amount of work. And of course, producing, uh, it was was produced, but, you know, I had to get the players. And I had to get, the hardest part was I had to get musicians who were willing to wear a costume and act a little bit. They're like, oh man, you don't do that. Come on, you know it's, it's it's you know you you come out of this this uh, cuckoo clock, and you'll be wearing a pair of wings. <laughs> but they, <laughs> I'm
0: not even gonna ask. Okay, <laughs>
1: they I, they almost abandoned the first night of the first play of the Great Galactic Fame Game. The band almost bailed on me. They came out in their uniforms, looking like school kids. <laughs> They're just like, what you know, what is this? <laughs>
0: And that's exactly what I was doing. I was
1: just laughing. And they were like, we're not doing this. Work. I go, you, what do you mean? There were people in the audience. We were, we were 20 minutes away from the show going on. They were like, we're out of here. Then finally they did it. And after I was like, what do you think? Well, that was, it was kind of cool. You know, it was all right. Then after about a week, they were like, you know, this is pretty cool. So it, it worked. But it was, it was like pulling teeth there for a little bit. Because, you know, a lot of musicians, they don't want to. They want to play music and be known for music, not wearing a a clown costume.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you written any poetry?
1: I used to write a lot of poetry, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I've had a little bit of it published. The stuff I've had published besides that one book I talked about was really just like in art magazines, like in uh, uh, Santa Fe, Couple in California, New York, things like that. See, I've had a little bit of poetry and short stories published. Um <clears throat> but yeah, I used to I used to write a lot of poetry. Um and I think there was a time where I wasn't really seeing the difference between writing poetry and writing lyrics, you know?
0: I was actually going to go in that direction.
1: Yeah, I mean and and it is a it's a pretty big difference. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big difference, but I really see the difference now. Um and I mean, I have for many years, but But there was a time back there where I was putting my poetry to song. And um, I, you know, uh, to me, lyrics are a much simpler, uh, the, the, the music is carrying a part of that message. So you can be a lot simpler and not say near as much as you might with a poem. It's just my opinion on it. I'm sure there are people who would disagree with that. And as a matter of fact, now that I said it, I disagree with myself. No, oh. not really. A little bit, man. Now, I mean, it's very controversial, uh, of you know. Course. But that's yeah, sort yeah. of how I look at it. Uh-huh. That poem is a, poems. You're a little more digging into to a, a lot of things where where with lyrics you just want to ter- touch the surface of a thing or two, and then let that music draw the rest, of, you know, carry the rest of the picture, Cure the emotions.
0: More. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Cass, is um, what is it that gets you inspired? When you're writing your, either a, a poem or, or a, a song, when do you get that spark? I know you said that sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, and that's when you, uh, when it congeals for you. Yep. But, but what, what's your inspiration? Is it meeting someone at the grocery store? Is it a, a TV program? Hearing another lyric? What is it that, that sparks your fire?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it can be all the above that you just said, really. Um, something might have... Like, I have a song called Mission Valley Blues. I'm just thinking of this for an example. Uh, do, you, do you know Mission Valley down south of... Uh, down San Diego? Yeah. yeah. And And uh, I was actually a, a singer in a big band there for for about a year. Uh, like a 26-piece big band. And they had a couple of singers. I was one of the singers. So we'd go rehearse about every couple of weeks or something. And I stopped at a seven eleven or something to get something and this couple was fighting and uh she was sort of saying, Yeah, well I don't care what you think, you know, I may go with him and whatever you want to do, whatever. They were fighting and uh it was in Mission Valley. So I uh so I was like, Well that, that's pretty funny. I, I wrote a song called Mission Valley Blues and it's about a, a guy whose woman is sort of walking all over him and she gets the Mission Valley Blues. I should be drinking more booze kind of a thing. Um it gets a lot of laughs down in Mission Valley in San Diego <laughs> and all that, but uh, I'm just saying that was like a real life inspiration that that does happen time to time. Um, I get a lot of stuff from novels um, I I read all the time, and I read a lot of Southern novelists, and um, so I'll I'll get things from that all the time. I'll read as a matter of fact, like on my last record. Um, there's a song called Where You Come From, and it comes from a passage from a book called A Sudden Country by Karen Fisher. My wife bought a horse up on Lopez Island from Karen Fisher. And we went up there, and she goes, I'm going to look at this horse. It's a it's a Nez Perce Appaloosa horse. And uh, she comes back, she goes, yeah, this Karen Fisher wrote a novel. I said, you got to be kidding me. She said, no, it's like a Western. She says it's like Cormac McCarthy. And I'm like, really? Well... Can I go tomorrow to see the horse? So, <laughs> so we go over there, and I start talking to her, and uh, and I said, so you wrote this novel? Huh? She goes, yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, it and, it and it actually got an award in Washington State as like the best novel from I don't remember the exact award. And I said, well, I'd like to find it and read it. She goes, well, I, I'll just go in and get you a copy. And she brought it out. I said, can you sign it? Yes, sir. signed it. So there's a passage in there. Um, it's about like a, a trapper who's from Scotland but he's just traveled all around America as a trapper in like the the 18 late 1800s he meets up with his family who's taking a wagon train from Missouri to Oregon uh in and, and in the book he ends up having an affair with the wife of the main guy with the wagon train and it's a it's a really really great written book really great but but he meets this elder native american woman from a local reservation at one point meets the trapper and she goes you need to you know you need to go back to where you come from you can't just keep on the more you wander and just keep going far away you'll never find what, your spirit you'll never find your soul and all this and at one point she holds her her closed fist out to him and he says what do you got there and she opens up her fist and she goes nothing and that's what you're going to get if you if you don't go back to where you came from and so it really hit me hard, and I wrote her and said, can I write a song out of this? Um, so I wrote this song, where, where You Come From, from that.
0: Do you actually need permission from an author? No, I didn't they? need
1: permission, but I just I just wanted to let her know. I said, i really like to write from that. I, no, I wouldn't need permission. Okay. But I didn't want to do it and have her say, you stole that from me, you know, in case she would.
0: Oh, okay, I see. Uh, <clears throat> wow, well... Um, any other real life instances that that have triggered that or do the words um, just come to you and they just fall in place
1: yeah i mean sometimes i'll just hear somebody say something whether it's on the news or it's or somebody talking or or i'll just read one line of a sign or something and i'll just and i'll just i i always think like that i just think you know song title oh oh that or or sometimes i'll hear something and i'll go oh if you put this word instead of that word that would be a really strong song title, you know, or something. And, and then I get inspired from the song title. And I don't always have the title first. I, it's, it goes back and forth. Sometimes I write lyrics and I don't have anything, and those lyrics are maybe 60% finished. They're not, it's just the idea and an idea for it. And then I'll maybe be writing some music or messing around on my guitar with something, and I'll go, man, that, that one thing I was working on could fit with that. Then I'll try it. And if it works, it works. And then I'll, I'll sometimes it just fits together exactly, and I'll go, there it is, you know. Other times I'll start it, and I then I may think, oh, yeah, I have those other... Because I have stacks of, of potential lyrics, so I can just go back and go, that one thing I wrote might fit into the bridge of this song, you know, or whatever. Um, wow.
0: So. so you mentioned when you gave up the drum set and you got the guitar and the banjo, do you yeah. also do a banjo accompaniment, or...?
1: You know, I haven't been recently, um, but I have over the years, yeah. I, you know, And I'm, I'm no, I'm no virtuoso on, on either instrument. Um, you know, I've I, I learned most of what I've learned from accompanying myself. But I mean, I can play a nice, sad, uh, hillbilly kind of banjo. I'm not like a, a, a hot dogger, oh, you know, yeah. or anything. But I can play like minory, you know, real nice minory stuff on the banjo. Um
0: any other instruments that you play or do you do the piano no. or harmonica?
1: Yeah, I, I do play harmonica too. Yeah. And I I my favorite. I play harmonica. Oh, is that right?
0: I love harmonica.
1: Yeah, I accompany my, you know, myself on some of my songs with harmonica. Uh but no, mainly mainly I guess guitar first, probably then harmonica, then banjo and drums. I used to be good, and I'm sure I could be good, but you really have to keep practicing drums to be really tight and all that, and I don't practice so I'm no, I'm no good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> There's other people who can do that part. you see, you seem to be doing plenty on your own. that's between true. Uh, you know singing and writing and and accompanying yourself, so I think you're you're probably doing just fine.
1: I'm doing okay. <laughs> Keeping it rolling. Yeah. Keep it rolling.
0: So with that said, um, I think this is probably the end of the interview. have well, uh, So if people want to find out more about you, where, do you have a website, a Facebook page?
1: Yeah, they could go to my website, uh, www.kazmurphy.com. That's K-A-Z-murphy.com. Uh, yeah, I have a Facebook page, Kaz Murphy Music. You can find my music on Spotify uh, and... Uh, CD baby, okay. and
0: all right, very good. Yep. And if you have any questions for my guest, uh, please send an email to programming at koyt 971org Put fika f i k a in the subject line, and address your question in the in the body of the text, and uh, I'll get that question answered by our guest at the next time I bring him into the studio. So. With that said, thank you. It was really, really fun talking to you. Thank you so much, Annika. Enjoy it. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's Cup of Fika with Annika. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. and a replay on Sundays at 1 p.m. If you have any questions or comments for me or my guests, please send an email to programming at koyt971.org and put Fika in the subject line. Enjoy the rest of your day. The following song is from today's Beca with Annika guest, Kaz Murphy. The song is called The Day I Found My Heart.
1: Enjoy. I came across a child begging on the street With hunger in his eyes, he was staring up at me There was a woman nearby, trying to hide her shame She barely met my eyes that day That was the day I found my heart After years of looking under rocks Wasted tears, now I know why was the day I found my heart, 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 I found my heart, I went on home to ponder the change that had been made, I felt All the goodness felt my heartless past fade It took off like an automobile Swerving round the bend And I knew my days of wandering Had come to an end That was the day I found my heart After years of looking under rocks Wasted tears, now I know why That was the day I found my heart gold. I found my heart way down deep inside. That was the day I found my heart. After years of looking under rocks, wasted tears. Now I know why. That was the day I found my